Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Podcast, coast to coast and motor to motor all over the world wide web and on 50 plus stations throughout the U.S. and Canada. This is the world famous Cheeky Check Why You Show. Thanks for tuning in to the big broadcast from the KJAG Radio Studios in downtown Hutchinson, Kansas. We are live Monday through Friday, 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern, and 12 to 3 Pacific. We're 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com on the TuneIn apps and Radio Loyalty. And our podcast is available over there at JiggyJaguar.com. Give us a call at 1-866-378-7884. That's 1-866-37-TRUTH. The Jiggy Jaguar Radio Broadcast is brought to you by our good friends. Over there at the BionicTradingRobot.com. Let's talk about the Bionic Trading Robot here uh, before we get to our uh, first guest. I'll tell you, it's an amazing, amazing piece of business. We talk about this all the time on our program. We have some great marketing clients, and this is one of them, BionicTradingRobot.com. If you're tired of worrying about the stock market, roller coaster ride, the stagnant retirement counts, and I know everybody's just worrying, uh, then stop about it. Just stop worrying and start trading, kids. That's right. Start trading. Have you ever wanted to trade like a pro? Of course you have. Well, now you can. Now available to the general public, the first and only fully automated stock trading software on the market today. This fully robotic software levels the playing field, so even those who know absolutely nothing about the stock market are on the same level as professional traders and institutional computers. Think about this. It's actually linked to the stock market. When the New York Stock Exchange opens every morning, your software starts. It monitors the market. It trades on your behalf, and it stops when the market closes automatically, like clockwork. It's all automated. It links to the stock market through a brokerage house like TD Ameritrade, MB Trading, or E-Trade. The only fully automated system that carries out your personal stock strategies and trade stocks for you 100% unattended. No programming required. Simply install the software, pick your strategies, and let the software do the rest. This robotic trader has thousands of clients in over 68 countries and offers you the ability to trade in six foreign markets. Private institutions have been utilizing this type of technology for years, and now you can too. To see a live demo of the software, more information, or to subscribe and get full access, visit BionicTradingRobot.com. That's www.BionicTradingRobot.com. Let's get to our first guest here on the big broadcast. Colin Taggart joins us. He's the author of Talking with Horses. It's getting rave reviews. He's the multi-talented uh, individual. He's the author that uh, he's got the solid info on this book, and uh, he's from Australia, so we might get some, some stories there. His passions are racing horses, cross-country, uh, bladed weapons, guns, whips, writing, gardening, uh, all sorts of different things. He's a seasoned journalist. We'll talk about that as well. And uh, Colin, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Good. I'm doing fantastic. Great, now, now, great to be on the air, dude. Now, Colin, let, let's talk about this incredible book here. Uh, what inspired you to write this book? Well, uh, you know, I'm from the bush in Australia, and uh, I've always uh, been under suspicion because I talk with horses, right? I kind of uh, always figured I knew what they were thinking about, and they figured I, they, they knew what I was thinking about, and so that was... Uh, the, the horse and I under under a gum tree in the middle, 500 miles from a town, and so of course you start talking to horses. I mean, I didn't think that was a serious thing till way later, and I thought, what if we really do talk with them? And uh, so I did some scientific research, and sure enough, there's ways that uh, we have a, a brain pattern, a, a electromagnetic energy that duplicates their energy, and some people can do it, and some can't. It's Colin Daggard with us today here on the big program. Can you summarize your book in just a few sentences for us there, Colin? Yeah, this is a girl who's autistic. Uh, my young young girl, she's a, a beautiful young girl. She's 19 years old, and uh, she doesn't get along in society because she is autistic. However, because of that condition, uh, she has a brain that's compatible with the brain of the horse, so she can talk with the horse, and the horse can talk with her. 
uh, they exchange pictures, and uh, this is scientifically based. Uh, Temple Grandin, uh, who was uh, autistic, she wrote a lot about how horses see things in pictures, and so do autistic people, and they can exchange the same pictures. So my heroine saves the family ranch, uh, has a romance in the hills of Malibu with another uh, runaway kid, and uh, in her fantasy life, she falls in love with the lieutenant of Attila the Hunt. So she's got a love triangle going. It is. And, uh, uh, yes, yes. Go, go ahead, my friend. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and the, the back story is, it's the history of the horse. I've, I've used her, her fantasy world where she uh, goes into, uh, visits all other, uh, other worlds like the Huns and uh, the Scythians before the Huns and Alexander the Great, and she, she appears in all these places in her fantasies, and that's how I get to explore the history of the horse. The horse is 50 million years old, and man is 5 million years old, so somewhere along we used to be talking to them on a regular basis. It is a uh, great guest with us today. Colin Dagger joins us here on the program. What's the overall theme of your book there, Colin? Yeah, the theme is that, uh, uh, that everybody, autistic people, uh, get a bit of a bad rap because we don't understand them. Uh, however... They just are different, and because somebody is different, doesn't mean to say they're less or more. They are simply different, and uh, society has a lot of trouble with difference. We all want to be normal. That's the whole thing. You've got to be normal. Well, the reality is what is normal. There is no normal. There's no two people the same on the entire planet. So what's this normal nonsense? Uh, so it's about that. And, uh, it's about autism, and it's about how we communicate with animals and how animals are really such a, an incredible part of our life on the planet. It's Colin Dagger with us today here on the program, Coast to Coast and Border to Border. If you want to get more information on our guest, check out JiggyJankWire.com. We'll post a, a link to his book and everything else up there on our website. Why do you think that this book will appeal to readers? Well, it's, 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 uh, it's appealing to people who are into horses because it's the history of the horse. It appeals to uh, young girls who are into horses because it's about romance, and girls are about romance, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a sweeping uh, yarn. It's, it goes on several levels. Uh, it's exciting, and uh, uh, and uh, it's exciting. That I've, I've just, I find it exciting because I've just signed a six-figure movie deal on it, so I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more excited after signing this deal than I was before I find the deal. <laughs> Colin Daggard with us today. Uh, we're going to take a brief time out here with Colin, and when we come back... Brilliant. Talk about working the system. So if you want to save money on your cell phone, pay only $25 a month without having to put time in to fill your own family. Just join someone else's list over at framlylist.com. That's framlylist.com because they're going to help you find or promote your Sprint Framly plan so that everyone pays only $25 a month. That's F-R-A-M-I-L-Y-L-I-S-T dot com. Go check them out. Also, I want to mention they have 7,000 Facebook fans, too. It's amazing. It's very much amazing. Check them out online, but you need to go to FramilyList.com. And uh, this next segment of the big broadcast kicks off right now. We've got a fantastic guest back with us. Colin Dagger joins us. He's got this great book, Talking with Horses. He's a seasoned journalist. He's uh, worked in out uh, 25 countries. He was Rupert Murdoch's first Hollywood editor for the National Star Tabloid, has hosted his own TV show, and became a hot syndicated columnist. He's a leading authority on horses. And we've got him on here today talking about his great book, Talking with Horses. Getting rave reviews, by the way. Well, what are some of the reviews you've been getting on the book so far? Yeah, well, very good. It's, uh, uh, you know, uh, to my surprise, I, I made a unabashed rush at... Uh, uh, late teenage girls who are wrapped up in horses, and I thought, well, I'll catch them with some romance story or other, and uh, meanwhile address this autism uh, phenomenon which is happening and get into the mind of the horse. And But to my great surprise, uh, men have have uh, embraced the story as much as women, if not more. 
because it goes into the history of the horse and uh, the history of the horse in, in our life is, is all to do with war. The, the horse until very recently was, was a smart weapon in war. Uh, and uh, uh, that's what it's been used for in the last 5,000 years. If you had a horse, you beat up the people next door who didn't have a horse. So he who had the horse won. Um, <laughs> the Hun beat the, uh, beat the entire Roman Empire because he figured out a saddle that worked on a horse, and the Romans didn't have a saddle. So he could ride his horse longer than they could ride their horses. And uh, he would just uh, outride them. Their horses would be done because they had no saddle. Attila would get up on a on hills surrounding the Romans and just rain down arrows. And he never had to fight the Romans again. So he wow. figured that out. And, wow. Uh, even at, even in modern times, I own the Australian Stock Saddle Company, and uh, I had a contract with the Pentagon to supply saddles to special ops in Afghanistan. American special ops, of course, not the other side. And uh, I, I saddled over 200 horses and designed gun leather for M4 uh, carbine scabbards and all of that. Uh, so the horse still plays a role in modern warfare. Oddly enough, I think it's uh, really extraordinary that the horse is still out there on battlefields. Uh, the, the Taliban uses the horse regularly, and they, they prove to be a very, very difficult enemy. Even even with all our machinery and Humvees and tanks and everything, a horse could out outmaneuver them, outdistance them, and, and become a very difficult target. We've got Colin Dagger with us today here on the broadcast. Talking with horses is the latest book. It's an amazing, amazing book. Talk to me about uh, being a seasoned journalist. You've worked in over twenty five countries. Tell me about this. Yeah, well, I, I, um, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I was brought up in the bush in Australia. I come from a cattle property, and instead of going to school, I ran out. I rode out in the bush and chased cattle around my parents' cattle, and uh, uh, and uh, I read books and wrote. That's what I did. I read and I wrote. Uh, no television, no radio, no nothing. Uh, that, that's how I amused myself. And so I'd sit under gum trees pretending I was Jack London and write Blood and Guts, and then I'd pretend I was Jane Austen and write romance stories. And I was selling them in my early teens to national magazines because I was literate because I read books. I had a pack saddle that did nothing except carry books through the bush. Very, um, so I became a journalist, of course, why not? And it was the most amazing experience, just going from country to country and covering nice little wars and becoming editor of newspapers in various places and getting chucked out, thrown out, jailed, all that stuff. But that, that happens to journalists if you write uh, if you if you write about the wrong stuff to the, about the wrong people, then you can get into trouble. That's what happened to me. <laughs> Colin Dagger with us today here on the program. Talking with Horses is the uh, latest book from this great author. Now, uh, you were Rupert Murdoch's first Hollywood editor for the National Star Tabloid. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, well, that was fabulous. Uh, I had uh, sailed a 34-foot boat from Africa to America, which is how I got here. Took my way into a job at the Miami Herald. Uh, as a feature writer, Rupert, Rupert called me up and he said, I'm coming to America. I'm going to start a tabloid newspaper. I had previously worked for Rupert's Papers in Australia and New Zealand, and, and I, I liked working for him, and he liked me working for him. So it was, uh, he said, I want to be the Hollywood editor of this. And it was, it was a lot of fun starting that operation. Uh, I answered, when the phone rang in my office in uh, Sunset and Sunset and Hollywood, I would uh, answer by saying hello. Because if you mentioned you were the national star, of course you'd probably get a hitman out after you. But it was uh, it was great. It was just so incredible uh, launching something with such an amazing guy as Rupert. Had about had about a hundred meetings with him, and none of them lasted longer than two minutes. So uh, an extraordinary man. But that was really, really so amazing that experience. It is Colin Daggard talking with horses. The latest book. Um, is there a particular chapter you'd like to share with our listeners uh, from Talking with Horses? Yeah, um, yeah. The one I like is uh, um, about uh, uh, about how um, Emma de- Emma decides. Emma's uh, my main girl, and uh, uh, she in her fantasy world she rides she rides with the Huns, uh, 
uh, and because in the real world, uh, being uh, like all autistic people, they find the real world difficult. It's too bright, too noisy. People talk too fast. They can't understand what's going on. But they have another whole other brain, section of the brain at work, which which we don't uh, use uh, unless something really serious happens, and then we activate the part of the brain that that uh, they use on a regular basis, which makes them pretty unacceptable to us, but very acceptable to horses. And uh, so she goes and she rides with the Huns, where she falls in love with a man called Zion, who's a lieutenant of the Attila. And uh, I, my, my favorite chapter is when she's, she's riding with Zion, and, and they figure out, uh, Attila figures out a saddle that uh, really works, and, uh, and they, they start killing zillions of Romans and uh, I, uh, that was marvelous teaching uh, Emma uh, became a great uh, user of the bow and um, so that was um, it, that's uh, I, I like I like I like all the fight scenes that was great I'm a, I'm a master with bladed weapons and uh, uh, it's interesting to me that uh, uh, bullets haven't killed more people in this world, nor have explosions. More people on the planet Earth have been killed with a naked blade than have been killed with anything else. Wow. So. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Colin Dagger with us today, talking with horses. Uh, how do we find you online there, Colin? Yeah, well, um, uh, uh, the book is sold on uh, Amazon and on uh, Barnes & Noble, called Talking with Horses by Colin Dangard. Uh, and uh, you can also uh, get the book uh, through my website, which is aussiesaddle.com. That's Aussie, as in Australia, aussiesaddle.com. I sell the book directly as well. And uh, soon it's going to be a movie, and uh, I don't know what they're going to call that, but uh, me and my big mouth, I talk myself into selling a trilogy, so I have to write two more of these books, which is going to be a joy. <laughs> I love to write. It's, uh, it's like, kind of fun. Well, Colin, I appreciate you making time for us today. We'll talk soon. Have yourself a wonderful day, my friend. Power grid. All of the companies share the power. But it's kind of like... Oh, really? I was not aware of that. Oh, that's what the whole grid system is. It's the grid is it's like a big maze that runs all over the country. Wow. And so when, for example, when you have the, the huge summer heat uh, in the northeast uh, and the south and southwest, they can draw from the power plants and pump electrical power to deal with the over over demand situation. So they they move they move electrical around electricity around this country like the way we move oil and everything else on a highway. It's called the grid. But the problem is if it's kind of like a spider's web, if you can envision a spider's web, and there are contact points all along the web, and then they have all these inner circles going around. But if you start cutting the contact points to wherever the web is hanging, the web will ultimately collapse. There's not a lot of reserve. I'm sorry. There's not a lot of reserve capacity. Yeah, there's not a lot of reserve capacity left in the grid. In some areas there is, other areas they're not. And so uh, the situation you have is uh, we have a situation where uh, certain well-placed uh, power generating facilities were to be taken out, the grid cannot sustain uh, the loss of that generating power because it cannot make up for and move power along in order to keep the grid functioning. And so what happens if the grid starts to collapse, it collapses in and on itself, and it's going to be a very difficult job to, 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 re, to build it back. Uh, I think it's an important story. Uh, we talked about it at least a month ago, wasn't it? When I brought that up to you, probably. Yep. Um, yep. And the idea is that it's just one of the ways in which we as a nation are vulnerable to internal domestic attacks from terrorists. Not airplanes jumping into buildings or the Pentagon, but physical attack. And I go back to another discussion that we had when the current head of Al-Qaeda said on September the 12th, America needs to bleed. We need more lone wolf attacks. We need more destruction so that America will move its money from one source to another in providing security and less on the economy. And I spoke too much. Go, my dear friend. 
<laughs> oh, you know, um, uh, I covered the, the uh, great uh, blackout in the Northeast in, in 1960, I guess 66, 67. Um, and ever, ever since then, that's kind of been an interest of mine. I had to learn in one, one night for a deadline story all about the grid. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I followed, I followed it all over the years. And when you brought it up uh, a month ago, I checked with, um, you're not wrong, by the way. And we're vulnerable in a lot of other areas as well. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I might point out um, uh, something that's uh, very rarely seen. Most of the computing uh, centers uh, have their own standby power, good for up to five to, to ten days. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, but I, I, I'd like to go to the point um, that you made, why don't they mention it? Um, I, I would venture to guess that there have been other instances of other terrorism or probes where um, the government hasn't chosen to uh, uh, announce it. Um, I think I read someplace recently where they foiled five or six um, um, uh, terrorist plots, et cetera. Uh, we are vulnerable. You're absolutely right. But you can't um, live your life uh, in fear. You've got to go on and, and uh, say we have the capacity. And we are a great nation. We are a nation of resources and of people. That uh, Same with 9-11. Uh, uh, when yep. those things happen, we will um, uh, somehow or other persevere. I have great confidence in the ability of us to uh, handle uh, a lot of these uh, situations. Uh, frankly, um, uh, if you know, 9/11 was a wake-up call, and we certainly uh, uh, reacted to it. And uh, some people say we overreacted to it, but I can't see that. And mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I just think, um, uh, yes, we have to be on guard. Uh, but uh, I, I just think we, we, we shouldn't go through life uh, fearful. We should go through life uh, vigilant um, and wary, but not fearful. And I think the government is right. I mean, you know, you look at uh, situations, um, the way the media plays things, if they had played up that attack or something else, we would have had two weeks of steady drone uh, of every uh, local broadcast going out to a local power station and saying, uh, well, how could this be vulnerable? And uh, y yes, they are vulnerable. And uh, I have a power plant uh, less than a mile from my house. And uh, uh, if it goes, um, uh, I think it's uh, one-fifth of the, no, I'm sorry, one-tenth of the capacity of New Jersey generating goes with it. But to, to get mm -hmm. there, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. We should we should be fearful, and but I don't think to the extent um, um, that that we have to blow up every instance uh, instance where something happens. Uh, Frank, and again, I'm not familiar with that particular one. I haven't seen the story you're talking about. Um, the one out in California, I, I just thought it was a bunch of kids or somebody deciding that, gee, those um, uh, those bulbs on the top. Uh, make excellent uh, target shooting. I mean, uh, you know, we're, uh, we have a lot of people in this uh, country that, uh, uh, for the fun of it, will uh, introduce uh, evasive species into waters and do a lot of uh, nasty things uh, because they're unhappy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm more concerned with things that are happening in other places. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I just want to, uh, with all due respect to you uh, and your vast experience, um, I want to disagree with you, uh, if that's okay. Um, that's when, when he, you, wants, he wants us to get into a real argument. Where I disagree with you is that at the time the attack took place on September the 11th, and the time the attack took place on December 7th in Pearl Harbor, we reacted to that. I believe that the America that 
I know that as an effect in around September 11th, 2001 is no longer the America that is in place today. You talk about living in fear. When you have almost 50% of the population of a nation dependent upon the government for their survival, they're not going to change anything. They're not going to get, they're not going to speak up against the government because they are living in fear that the government. And if you take that concept and go around the world, how many nations in this world rule by fear over their people? More Too many. than don't. Too many. So fear, on top of economic distress and the need for the government to provide, controls the rhetoric and controls the reaction of people, including Americans, to the point that it's manipulation, and I believe that's what's going on. The America that I grew up when I was in my teenage years, and even younger, right after the Second World War ended and through Korea and Vietnam, we, we saw the greatest mustering of resources and attitude and desire and direction in the history of probably of the world when we were attacked in Pearl Harbor and 2,700 Americans lost their soldiers, lost their lives, sailors, and we as a nation rededicated ourselves to preserving and protecting the best experiment for democracy in the world. I honestly believe we do not have a generation or a nation today that's necessarily interested in preserving, preserving democracy the way you and I broke, grew up. I don't think it's there. That's an interesting point, and I hope neither you and I nor I live to see where we test it out. Um, uh, you know, Americans have always responded to a crisis, uh, no matter what it is, and um, I, uh, I agree with you. Um, uh, perhaps we haven't uh, instilled some of the virtues um, uh, uh, in, in this later generation. But each time I, I say that, I then deal with some younger people, and uh, uh, it always surprises me. Um, I'll give you one example. Um, in the robotics uh, competitions um, that go on in, in high schools across this country, if you go mm -hmm. to their national convention and see these kids, some dressed um, as uh, Ivy Leaguers, others with Mohawks, and, and all of them dedicated to this idea. And um, I'll just go, if I may, one step further. I, I taught last, uh, last week at uh, Columbia, their annual high school uh, journalism uh, convention, which has been going on for, I think, 60-odd uh, years. And uh, I was talking to, uh, if you see these kids come in and, you know, see how they act, uh, I certainly would not like the, the way they dress. I, uh, I will tell you that uh, flat out. But their quest for knowledge, their quest for <clears throat> um, their, their interest in getting ahead and their commitment, um, you know, it, it always reassures me. You know, uh, one generation always says that the, the next generation is terrible <clears throat> until they're the next generation. I, I just... Um, I have a little bit more faith in, in, in the American uh, system than perhaps you do at this moment. Um, well, let, me bring, let, me bring you, let me bring you another sense of reality, uh, at least from my perspective. I'll only go as a tourist. Okay. I'll only go as a tourist. And, and you don't have to buy a home here. You can just pass through. But I, I was in St. Peter. I was in, actually in Sarasota visiting friends from St. Petersburg. And I was told by the young man who goes to a special school for gifted children that the public school system in Sarasota, Florida, has a 75% dropout rate. In New York City, the dropout rate in the public schools is 25%. And in Philadelphia, the dropout rate is over 35%. My point being is, yes, your robotic people uh, are probably the best and brightest, 
but there's such a small minority of the total population that's in our education system. You know, you, you, you again, I'm going to disagree with you. You said that America stands up to the challenge. <clears throat> I would say to you, that if you took a poll right now, whether or not Americans have any concern about Vladimir Putin taking over his portion of Ukraine, the vast majority of Americans could care less. They don't see how it's going to affect them. It's Russia over there, over the seas, in another nation. Not involved. Uh, I think that if you ask the American people whether or not they're concerned about whether or not <clears throat> the Iranian nation is going to develop nuclear weapons, they might be a little bit concerned about it. But I, again, I think the majority of people in this country don't understand uh, Muslims. They don't understand the Muslim religion. They don't understand the people. So it's very hard for them to relate to them. When I said to you earlier that I think the isolationism in the United States started prior to the First World War, and it has been a basic tenet, and you proved it because you say we always react to adversity. And that is an example of a nation that is an isolationist nation and thinks about itself. I think that we've created not only an isolated nation in the, in the world, but we now have as a political basis a government who wants to withdraw us from the world stage and really doesn't care what happens in Syria, whether or not they continue to use their chemical weapons. I mean, that was a disaster. Our, our wonderful president advocated to Putin, but Putin wasn't even able to get the Syrians to destroy their chemical weapons. We've got the situation in Iran. Our president goes to this great conference thinking that we've solved the problem, and the president of Iran comes out and said, we've won, we've defeated the, the, the Western um, uh, government leaders, we are have taken care of the infidels. On and on, Russia, Putin with the, with the Ukraine. All of these things are symptomatic of a nation and a world that really doesn't care about anybody else. And so I understand, I understand your, here we go, I'm, I'm not trying to be insulting, I'm just trying to be honest, your Pollyanna attitude. I don't think it's in reflection well, of the reality. It's, it's hardly Pollyanna, it's just having, uh, I think, a greater faith in the American people than you do right now. But let me point out two things to you. Uh, when Hitler moved against the Sudetenland, um, they had the same uh, same um, reaction from the American people. Uh, when right. Japan uh, moved into China, but when mm -hmm. when push came to shove, um, the American people acted. And I'll point out to you that for 20 years, from 1945 or 30 years, from 1940 or 40 years. We uh, projected world power and, and destroyed uh, the Soviet Union. Um, mm -hmm. And we, uh, we unfortunately um, then said, well, you know, typical of what Americans do. They do the job overseas, and then they say, there, it's your problem. You know, we're going home. Most other mm -hmm. countries, if they go someplace, stay. Americans, mm -hmm. are, well, as, uh, Adam, as uh, Clayton um, as uh, General Powell said, the only thing we ask for is uh, some ground to bury our dead. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel very strongly. Um, and I just feel uh, that the, the American people uh, will, yes, uh, we don't have a leader now. Don't forget, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he led the American people. We have, an, uh, we have a president right now who wants to lead. He's, his proudest achievement was that we have 7 million people signed up for Obamacare. That was his big thing today. But mm -hmm. yet, uh, what he should really be concentrating on is uh, uh, what's going to happen in uh, the Ukraine, what is going to happen in Venezuela. I know I'm like mm -hmm. a broken record on this, but uh, Venezuela is more of a problem than um, right now than the Ukraine. I think Putin got what he wanted. Now uh, he's going to say, uh, give uh, uh, President Obama 
some some points for quote preventing him from going into the Ukraine, and he's going to be happy. Obama's going to be happy. The only people that are going to be unhappy are the people in the uh, in the Ukraine. Um, so uh, I feel very strongly, and I, I want to point out something before we get off the subject. Um, in courses where robotics are used to teach at-risk children, the dropout rate goes from 50% to, to less than 10%. I mean, robotics, uh, and uh, as it happened, uh, I'm on the, the National Robotics Education um, Foundation uh, board. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there are things. Yes, we have problems with our inner city schools. We have, we have problems uh, in a lot of places. And um, and we seem to have some politicians who believe that uh, charter schools even uh, are not the answer when they seem to be a better answer than the schools. But well, you got the mayor of New York who wants to close the three charter schools simply because yeah. of producing better results in the public sector, and he's beholden to the teachers' union, which creates Absolutely. the. Uh, and I need. Do we have time, or do we need to take a break? We actually do need to take a break. If you guys want to hold Let's the line. Break, I want to come back and, and argue with him again. <laughs> well, that's what we're doing here. <laughs> we'll be back okay. after this here on the big broadcast. Did you ever see a fashion item or gadget in a movie or TV show you wanted to buy? Plotify is the platform for clothes and gadgets in movies and TV shows you love and want to buy. Check it out at Plotify.com, the platform for clothes and gadgets in movies and TV shows. Plotify.com. Let me tell you about search engine optimization that is performance-based. It is SEOGame.com. Visit them online and see the difference. SEO Game puts in over 30 hours of work to start keyword phrase search engine optimization services without a setup fee. Cool? Yeah, it's very cool. If you don't like your results, you can opt out at any time before 30 days without paying a dime. At the end of 30 days, your first payment is due and you get billed monthly thereafter. Five keyword plans begin at $200 a week, 30 keyword plans begin at 500 bucks. If you want your business to grow, you need to get SEO game performance based. SEO. Go to the website right now, seogame.com. That's seogame.com. It's a new year here at the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar show, and we are ramping up for a tremendous, tremendous 2014. We have a lot of things coming up this year. We're doing a lot of television projects, going to be doing a lot of radio as well. And we need your help. Shop our Amazon.com links. You can do all of your shopping through our website at JiggyJaguar.com. That's J-I-G-G-Y-J-A-G-U-A-R.com. It's as simple as clicking on our Amazon link. That will take you to Amazon. Amazon will still look the same. It'll still feel the same. You'll still get the same deals. We just get a little bit of help off a commission from Amazon if you do shopping through our link. Also, we have our advertising available on Fiverr.com, as well as many of these other micro-sites around the Internet. We have a complete list at our website, JiggyJaguar.com. Recently, we had Dr. Ted Baer on the program talking advertising with us. If they said that our media doesn't have any influence, why would somebody buy an ad? Why would somebody buy an ad on your program? Hey, we don't have any impact. There's no reason for you to. So it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. So check it out right now. We've got everything available at J-I-G-G-Y-J-A-G-U-A-R.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting Transmedia Worldwide. Techno-Mall.com. Over 2 million homes are burglarized in America each year. Remove your risk of burglary with secure, remote, invisible locks. Without a lock to pick, burglars will struggle to find a way into your home or your business. You can even secure your windows and glass entryways as well. Check out Techno-Mall.com for more information. Techno-Mall.com. 
Okay, folks, let's talk about self-development, wealth creation, renewal, and rejuvenation. Are you stuck in a rut? Do you aspire to be something bigger, something better? Well, author Y.E. Shavola has penned two incredible books that will help guide you down a new path, a path that will lead towards self-development, wealth creation, renewal, and rejuvenation. Learn how to make your dreams a reality. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones. Y.E. Shavola's books are available on Amazon right now. How to Occupy Till Jesus Comes, Self-Development, and How to Occupy Till Jesus Comes, Wealth Creation. Get them at our website through our Amazon link at com. Find them on Amazon. Check out Y.E. Shavola's incredible books, How to Occupy Till Jesus Comes, Self-Development, and How to Occupy Till Jesus Comes, Wealth Creation. Today on Amazon. Welcome back to the big broadcast, coast to coast and border to border. Donald Bazella and our good friend Dan Perkins, uh, best-selling author, is back with us. Gentlemen, uh, lively discussion. Let, let's continue it on. Let's pick up where we left off. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a shot at my partner again. I, I think I, I have no doubt that. Robotics can have an impact on uh, the dropout rate in the public school sector. But I would say to you, if you were to go in any major city in the United States and walk into any senior class in high school with a globe in your hand and ask them to find the Sudetenland, they'd have no idea what the hell you're talking about. They couldn't find it. They knew what it means. Right. So we have... have what we have is an education system in this country that does not teach the fundamentals that we need in order to deal with those global problems. We have an education system through Common Core is be, being trying to be controlled by the federal government. We've got healthcare trying to be controlled by the federal government. And when you start controlling so much of a person's life, you turn them into your, not mechanical robots, but blood, sweat, and tear robots. And I think that it's important to understand that the education system in our country today is not producing the kind of education necessary for us as a nation to compete in the world markets and to have the the diplomacy experience to deal with all of these hotspots all over the nation. Now, I will tell you that uh, my oldest son is here in Florida for a week, and we had this discussion over Saturday, and I'm going to give it to you, not verbatim, but conceptually. He is 34 years old, and he is basically uh, lost any hope that America could ever right itself. And I said to him at lunch on Saturday, I said, look, you've got to understand something. This country can be changed by one person. One person can make a difference. And I'm going to give you two examples of how well one person made a difference. When Jimmy Carter was president, he said in one of his speeches that the best of America was behind us. And he told us to turn up our thermostats, turn off our lights, put on sweaters, don't use our Christmas lights, and conserve energy. Inflation was through the roof, interest rates were through the roof, and the psychology of the country was incredibly negative, probably like it was in the Great Depression. But one man who was the person, the original hope and change agent, Ronald Reagan, came in and said, we can do better, and it started with leadership. I don't really care whether you like Reagan or not, what he did was cause a fundamental change in this country. And he gave us one of the best economic recovers we ever had. Now, in 2008... Can I interrupt you right there just to say something? You know, sure. you know what surprised the media? The outpouring of grief when he died. Mm-hmm. The media was absolutely... The national media was absolutely stunned... By the, by the impact and how people felt about him when he died. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. One man can make a difference, or one woman. Uh, yes. uh, it's called leadership. 
And right, right. now we, we, have a, we have a leadership that you fundamentally disagree with, and I probably do as well. But it, that can change. And, it, you know, uh, one thing that's amazing about it, uh, our founding fathers, and George Washington in particular, said some, uh, did some really brilliant things. Washington, mm-hmm. when he said uh, two terms, uh, and that's enough, uh, and mm-hmm. then went home. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, uh, you know, the one, one person can make a difference in, in this leadership. That's why... This election coming up uh, this November is so important, and the one coming up two years hence is probably doubly as important uh, because we, 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 need, we need to change the direction. No, absolutely no doubt. But the, but the answer is, uh, if you remember uh, JFK, he said, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. And the only mm-hmm. question they had, did he mean 1969 or 1970? You, mm-hmm. if, you, if you remember those, those times. And, sure. and, and I believe those times will come again. If I might, might uh, interrupt, and just I had a class at Harvard leaving college a, a few years back. It was made up of uh, 40% black, 40% Hispanic, and um, uh, a mixture of everything else. And it was the and I've taught at some really top universities, and mm-hmm. that group of kids, all they wanted to do was show us the way. We wanted to learn. Uh, you know, um, I have perhaps uh, um, you know we all have a skewed view, but in my dealing with with kids, um, <coughs> with young adults, and even. You know their feelings. Um, they are malleable, and they do want. They do want to learn. Even I think uh, the, the the black youth that drop out, if they had um, teachers like I know I had, and I think maybe you did, and mm-hmm. Jim had. All you need is one teacher to say yes, you can. All you need is one president to say yes, we can. Mm-hmm. The other problem right now is we don't have any go- we don't have any goals. You know we we've, we've abandoned the space program. Uh, what do we do now? We uh, come up with new iPads and new ways of doing things, etc. Um, but what we need is a challenge. Whether it's a foreign power, whether it's new scientific uh, breakthroughs, uh, Americans react to challenge. Uh, if you look at um, uh, um, if you look at our history, the frontier was there. Um, uh, you remember the uh, Frederick Jackson Turner, uh, um, um, the frontier, uh, the ever expanding westward frontier, explained the American people. Well, that uh, he wrote that in 1896. That still applies. Americans accept challenge. It is the way our immigrants. I mean, to leave your home country and come here um, as an immigrant is a great challenge. Um, I, uh, my father came here. He literally jumped ship to come here. And all of the people that come here come here because they see opportunity and they see the challenge. The American people right now really have no challenge. Uh, our challenge is our economy. And we don't know how to fix it because someone hasn't come to us and said, Here, this is the way we're going to, to fix it. This is what we're going to do. President Obama's answer is to spend money. But spending money is not the answer. The answer is, here's the challenge. Whether it's uh, uh, putting in uh, uh, fiber optics throughout the entire country, Whatever it is, we don't have the challenge today that is so um, so important to the American character. Uh, and you know, uh, World War One, we entered the war uh, under dubious circumstances, but we said we're coming over, and when we get there, mm-hmm. we won't come back till it's over. If you remember, did they do a song about that? <laughs> I hope so, because I sure okay. I couldn't. <laughs> Uh, that's what I meant by it. Uh, and you, you're right about our education system. I, uh, 
All you have to do is read the textbooks today uh, and, and become frightened out of your mind. Uh, a high school history textbook today uh, bears no resemblance to what I've learned in American history or world history. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not uh, teaching world history, if you're not educating people, I mean, I said that, that one man can make a change, and I talked about Ronald Reagan. Barack Obama in 2008 offered hope and change. People flocked to him. You may, I may not agree with what he did. You may not agree with what he did. But he was an agent for change, at least in a direction that he thought was the right way to go. I don't agree with what he did. I don't think we, I, I agree with you. We don't have a goal because he doesn't have a goal except for universal health care to take the, the government in charge of something that the Democrats have been fighting for for 40 years. But I do believe, uh, I do believe there is a, a, a very doable common goal that we can use to reunite the country, put millions of people to work, and that is making America energy independent. Now, just to give you a, because I, I, I thought we started, we talked a little bit about this last week, and I didn't get a chance to get my my shot in. But um, when President Keep Obama, I thought we're having a discussion. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> when President Obama, when President Obama took office in January of 2008, the number of people employed in the United States was 115 million 977 thousand people. On February the 14th, the current population employed in the United States is 115,848 people. Now, that doesn't take into account all the people, the 92 million people who walked away from the workforce because they couldn't find a job. So the president talks about all his job productivity. No, he's, he's not created any jobs. He's lost millions of jobs. What we need to do is to get a goal, and we need to get a goal like going to the moon that's attainable, and it is the government has a role to make sure that we do things properly and protect the environment and all that stuff. But if we can become energy independent, you know, one of the, one of the things that I think affects our country is that we're afraid to do certain things. You know, if we had... How many times in our, both of our lifetimes, when gasoline goes to $3 or $4 a gallon, do people talk about America needs to become energy independent? And we don't do squat about it because the price well, we of oil drops back to We're on the road to it. I know we're on the road to it, and I'm helping that because I work in that area as, as an advisor. But what I'm saying to you is if we can start putting people to work and in developing our energy resources, if we had a, a standing energy policy, do you really believe that Putin would have gone into the Ukraine? No. Because if we had an energy policy and we were the low-cost, largest producer of natural gas, we would have put it on an LNG ships and shipped it over to Western Europe. We do not know or understand how to use our natural resources of geopolitical weapons. To make things happen, we could have stopped. Absolutely right. But, but let me point out to you, um, Shell, right now, uh, I think it was you that said we went from being energy independent from instead of 2020, now they're saying 2018 because of right. Shell, because of mm -hmm. all the technology we have. And I, mm -hmm. uh, I, and I believe, I have a friend who's in the American Petroleum Institute, and she, mm -hmm. she indicated to me that there's a lot of other stuff uh, coming on board in the next 10 years that will really change um, uh, change the, um, uh, our, how, our, our whole outlook about energy. And, and it isn't, by the way, solar energy uh, or anything right. like that. It's, right. it's national carbon-based. Carbon no, no ands, ifs, or buts. I, I right. can't agree I with you more. But, but, we, but what, here, we don't. If I could just interrupt two, two things. Here you have a president that delayed the Keystone Project, 
Uh, Now, uh, I understand they're going to try to uh, delay it because of some quails in Kansas. Uh, Uh And you've got a a governor in in New York who's sitting on a a whole shell uh, Uh region who absolutely Uh refuses to permit it. He he asks for uh, report after report after report. Every report saying, now, you know. Yep, yep. You, 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 you sit there and wonder. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Let's have an energy. I don't, and let's use it as a weapon. And by the way, right. I think we are. Uh, I, I, I think from something I, I heard last week that one of the things, you know, uh, I think we've told Mr. Putin is, look, uh, I think, what is it, 40% of his foreign uh, earnings come from oil and gas? Yep. And uh, all we have to do is say, uh, uh, reduce the, uh, permit oil to be exported, which it hasn't been for almost 30 years, one, right. and two, permit um, uh, 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 carbon gases to be uh, mm-hmm. uh, liquefied and shipped over. And uh, right now Putin, plant, right, right now Putin supplies 32 he supplies 32% of the, of the crude oil to Western Europe and 40% of the natural gas. Now, what political leader in Western Europe is going to stand up against Putin? None. Not going to happen. Because if he turns off the oil and natural gas, they're, they're toast, and it's not going to happen. All I'm saying is we don't have the vision on whether it's the economy, whether it's energy, whether it's the pipeline. As I said in the previous interview that I did today, we have a country that is paralyzed by political correctness, and we cannot make honest decisions for the betterment of the American people without political correctness getting involved. And we have to move away from that. Which comes back to your original point, which is we need a leader who can develop consensus. The single biggest failure of President Obama has been his failure to achieve consensus. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, th- uh, it, you know, I don't care um, wh- whatever you th- people thought about Ronald Reagan. He achieved consensus. They they ridiculed him about uh, Star Wars. They called it Star Wars, but SDI mm-hmm. um, destroyed the Soviet Union because they realized mm-hmm. they could never match it uh, again. Mm-hmm. But he did it by consensus, and mm-hmm. the the single biggest failing. Of, of President Obama, is, uh, I'm repeating myself, is his failure. To, um, when he walks into his first meeting with the congressional leaders and said, uh, saying, across, but remember, I won. You don't start mm-hmm. a negotiation that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, he set the tone. Uh, you know, right. I heard that remark last week uh, by a congressman. I heard that remark. Now, what is it? Six years since it was made. Right. So, how do you expect someone uh, to do it? Uh, Roosevelt uh, co-opted. Truman co-opted. Um, Eisenhower did it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, JFK tried. Uh, um, uh, Johnson was a master at it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, if you really think about it, Nixon knew how to reach across the aisle. And uh, certainly mm-hmm. Gerald Ford. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy right. Carter did not. No. You know, again, you, you, you know, what you want is what we, I think, any right, um, any um, concerned American would want, um, a, a direction and leadership. And without either one of, uh, either one of them, we're going to drift as we're drifting now. Um, and the... And because we are still the number one power on the earth, um, uh, people, when they see a, a lifeboat drifting, or um, you know, they they tend to say, "Let it drift." But um, uh, you know, just one of one aside, um, I noticed that today that they're they're trying to work out a deal to release the spy Pollard to Israel. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what are they going to get in return? A promise that Israel will slow down the settlements. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, even our own allies. And uh, and again, to me, the greatest concern is the Saudi Arabia drift away. 
they've asked their hardline intelligence chief, all of this is showing us that as a drifting boat, we're losing, uh, we're losing our allies uh, who are saying, we can't depend on you. Um, so you know, I, I, I think it, it goes back to what okay. you're saying. You're going, you're going back to my point. My point is that, that we have an administration and a country through the political correctness wants to lead from the back. Let somebody else take the lead. And when you, when you abdicate your leadership position, you abdicate control. And Obama and his minions and the political correctness and the, and the, the radical left of the, uh, of the Democratic Party want this country to be a third world country. They want us to be equal to Africa or Venezuela or whatever. We shouldn't be the economic power that we are. We are, there's too much going on. And so their rhetoric and their, their desires and their actions are all built on the concept of embarrassing the nation, letting other people run, and you have, you, you're, you're absolutely correct, because one of the things I'm concerned about is if you look what's going on in the Middle East and a lack of uh, Middle East policy, the president was in Saudi Arabia last week meeting with the king, and uh, before he got there, what were the Saudis saying? I guess we have to develop our own nuclear capability because we can't count on the United States to protect us against Iran. Absolutely. Well, what well, I thought was really true. Talk about foolishness. The, in, a, in a society that uh, uh, is uh, under stress because of the emancipation of women, what does he do? Pose with a woman. I mean, talk about uh, insensitivity. Yes. Right, right. I agree. Joe, are we almost out of time? We are. We are almost out of time, but I appreciate you guys being with us. Before we let you guys go, uh, let's get the plugs in there so people can get a hold of you guys. Uh, uh, Dan, you go first. If you go through uh, your website, through Amazon.com, you can buy my book, both of my books at Amazon.com, and probably by the time we talk again, maybe not, I will have an audio version of book one available at iTunes, Audible, and um, Amazon.com, and also on my website. So uh, the website is Dan Perkins, the word at, A-T, Sanibel, S-A-N-I-B-E-L.com. And, and uh, Donald, you, you got anything you want to mention, my friend? Well, just my website, smallbusinessdigest.net. Um, I've got a word from my publisher that finally my book uh, will uh, see the light of day soon. Uh, when that happens, I'll let you know. Um, but uh, by the way, it's a chronicle of American history as, as seen through two families, one white, one black. And uh, uh, But uh, uh, Small Business Digest, they can get me anytime at, at uh, dmazella at is-incorp. Uh, I love talking with you, Dan. But I don't want to argue with you. We, we want to inform the, uh, the audience. <laughs> well, gentlemen, we have to have to, there's some disagreements. Joe, can I ask a question? Joe, yes. real quick. Yeah, uh, j- jump, jump in there. Are we doing... Uh, IQ anymore on that last uh, Yes, we're going to be talking to IQ Arizoli, uh the last Wednesday of each month, and we'll be talking to him. We'll have Dan Perkins and uh, IQ on this program uh, the last Wednesday of April. Looking forward to, to chatting with you guys, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys next week. So, uh, thank you, thank you, Mr. Mazzella, Mr. Perkins. We'll talk next week. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks. Take care. It is the world-famous Cheeky Jake Why You Show, coast-to-coast coast and border-to-border border all over the World Wide Web. We're going to take a slight timeout. When we come back, we've got more.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.